Hello and welcome to Dream City Omaha. My name is Vince and I want to thank you so much for joining us here today. If this is your first time, whether in person or online, please let us know by sending us a message on social media or by filling out a connect card. Now sit tight as service is about to begin. And this morning we're going to get into the Word. Are you ready for that? Galatians chapter 5, if you have your, your Bible, you want to turn there and prepare yourself. If you're flipping through, your your thumbing through your, your apps, Galatians chapter 5 is going to be our, our launching pad today. That's where we're going to kick off uh, the, this time together. But I just want to say thank you to, to Pastor Angel over the last few weeks has been teaching us how to live lives reintegrated and, and how, to, how to live lives whole and healthy because that's what we were created for. We weren't created for, for this disjointed kind of life that we experience, but, but Jesus came to, to make us whole. Yes. He created us a three-part being in his image, Father, Son, Spirit. We are body, soul, spirit. The body makes us aware of our surroundings, soul aware of ourselves, spirit aware of God. And so we, we understand, we understand that, that we are this three-part being, but these three parts were created to work together. It wasn't created to be all over the place, but, but we have to come back to living lives of reintegration. What does it mean to integrate something? It means to bring it together. Segregation is separation. Integration is let's come together. So to reintegrate means that something is broken and needs to be brought back together. That's our, our three parts. Our bodies, our spirits, our souls are so all over the place. Yeah in the world in which we live today, that it's time for us to just like, let's pause, let's get back to God's word and let's bring it, let's bring it all back together again, the way that God has intended. So, so we've been looking at, at the body. We, we, we said, how do we, how do we manage? How do we steward? How do we take care of, of our physical body? And angel said, we need to pay attention to it. We need to treat it like a temple, not a, an idol. We, we need to, to manage well. And she said, the goal is healthy, not normal. So you know, there are, there are some normal things going on today that are not healthy. Just because you could doesn't mean you should. And even if you could, you better run away from it. There are, are normal things in culture and society today that are in no way healthy for us. So the goal is not normal. The goal is healthy. We looked at the soul, which is our mind, our will, and our, our emotions. And, and that was kind of hard because she says we need to think about what we're thinking about. We need to take time to think because there's always thoughts running through our head. But, but do we take those thoughts captive? Do we grab them and say, where did you come from and what is your intention? Do we interrogate those thoughts or do we just let them play around in our brain, which then influences our actions, which create habits and then leads to a character. And we've developed this character based on thoughts we thought years ago that we never took captive and wonder how we got there. Because we didn't think about what we were thinking about. And I know guys, like, they're, listen, I, I am, I'm with you. When my wife asks me, what are you thinking about? What's the response? Nothing. I think about <laughs> thinking about, that, that's scientifically impossible for you to be thinking. I'm sorry, guys, I'm ladies, like, I'm letting you in, like you owe me big time. Fellas, I'm sorry if I'm like stabbing you in the back and this is an act of betrayal, like guy code. I don't know if I'm breaking right now or whatever. But it's scientifically impossible for you to be thinking about nothing. There are always thoughts. The question is, what are you doing with those thoughts? 
We need to, to manage well what God has given us. She told us to process through, don't push down. <laughs> I was listening to the message last week and I was just kind of chuckling because for some of you, like this is new. And so like hearing like process through, don't push down. You're like, I don't know how to do that. Listen, I married her. And so like, welcome to my life for the last 15 years. Well, what are, you, what are you thinking? I'm not thinking anything. Okay, that's impossible. What are you feeling? Let's talk about your feelings. Well, why are you feeling that way? Like, I don't know. So like, I felt for you guys. I'm like, oh, I know what that's like. But we've been looking at how to be healthy physically, how to be healthy in our, in our soul, how to, how, to, how to do take care of ourselves that way. Uh, and, and as with everything, like our goal is never just to teach you. It's never just to give you information. It's never to be like a, a fire hydrant of information, like, psh, okay, now go do something with it. But we, all, we also want to equip you and give you tools and resources. And so, so we started a boot camp last week so that we can take care of our physical bodies. Hello, how many, how many of you guys came? Five of you did. No, there is 20. Okay. But there should have been more. There should have been more. Tools and resources to help you steward well the, the, what God has entrusted to you. Okay, well, what about for my mind, my will, and my emotions? We started emotional intelligence on Wednesday nights. So we're giving you tools and resources. Today, I want us to, to conclude this series, and we're looking at the spirit. How do, I, how, do I, how do I not just find physical health or soul health, but spiritual health? And, and I want to talk to you about why it's so important, and then kind of, kind of encourage you in that as well, if that's okay. Galatians chapter five, and as we, we look at this scripture, I'm sorry, it's on the, it's on the screens up there. Paul is, is writing and he, he kind of tells us why, why it's so important because in our lives, we can either be led by the flesh or led by the spirit. Depending on what you feed most will have most influence in your life. So, so we have to ask ourselves, what is influencing me more, the flesh or the spirit? And Paul kind of lays it out very clearly in Galatians 5. And here's what he says, when you follow the, the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Here are the results. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension. Stop nudging the person next to you, okay? That's not. Division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit, so that's a life lived by the flesh. A life lived according to your own desires leads to such things. But he says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us then followed the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us follow his leading in everything as we seek to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. Let us not be led by our sinful desires, but instead be led by the Spirit. Now, in order for us to be good stewards, the only way for me to steward well, which simply means to take care of somebody else's property or possession means to be one who's been entrusted something that doesn't belong to you. And you need to know that you don't belong to you today. 
You don't, you don't belong to yourself. My, my, no, it's not. Your body is not your own. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the very dwelling place of God's spirit. It's his residence. When he, when he fills out an information card for his address, he writes, your body. That is where I live. That is, my, that is my home. That is where I make my presence known. Are you following me today? You are not your own. What you have isn't your own. What you've been given isn't your own. It's been entrusted to you by the owner. Now, the only way for us to be good stewards is to know what the owner would want us to do with his stuff. The man with the five talents went out, invested it, got five more, came back. Well done, good servant. Look, come, let's, let's party. I'll give you more. The one with two, invested it, got two more, came back. Well done, the one with one. I buried it. I got nothing for you. Wicked, lazy, evil. What were you doing? You didn't do what I wanted you to do with the resources that I entrusted to you. The only way for us to be good stewards is to know his desire, his intent, and his plan for us. And the only way that we know that is by getting into his word. I can't be a good steward if I don't know his intention for me. A couple years ago, we went on vacation one summer and, and left Pastor Renee in charge of our house. Renee, we're gonna be gone for a week. Here are the keys. Here's the garage door opener. Here's the fridge. Here's how to turn the TV on. Anything that is in the, just help yourself, make yourself at home, even though you are not the owner. That's not your TV. That's not your food. That's not your bed. That's not your house. That's my house. I'm entrusting it to you. You manage it for a week. I will return shortly. She was there. We went on vacation. And, and, and after a day of activities, I don't even remember where we were. I got, I got back to where we were staying and, and pulled up Facebook and saw pictures that people from, from Omaha were posting that there's this huge windstorm that came through and there were branches and trees everywhere. And I began to freak out like, oh man, like Renee's at our house by herself. Like, is the house okay? Did our tree fall down? Did, does she know where the chainsaw? Does she know how to operate a chainsaw? How is she going to do this? And so I got on the phone and I called her. I said, Renee, like I saw these pictures and, and do you need help? Do you, what, what can I do? And she says, don't worry about it. She said, I already took care of it. What do you mean you took care of it? She said, well, I called Tim and you know, Tim runs a, he's a guy in the church, runs a, a lawn care company. He said, I called Tim, he brought some guys over and they, they cut up all the, the, the wood and they, they hauled all the, the branches off and all the trees off and, and everything's taken care of. Everything's good. Don't even have to worry about it. Oh, I didn't even need to call. You knew, you knew exactly what to do. I didn't need to give you step-by-step instruction. You just, you did it on your own. Now, why was she able to do that on her own? Because she had been to my house numerous times and had seen how, 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 how well manicured my wife likes to keep the grass, the flowers that she plants every year. And Despite my best efforts at messing up the house, Angel continues to keep it clean. So she's been there and she knows how as owners of this property, we like to keep it. She knew that our intention and our desire would not be to, to leave those branches everywhere. Now, had she been to some of your houses or had we taken care of our house in a way that there was a 47 Ford out front on cinder blocks buried in grass and there was a tree that fell on top of it, it would be like no big deal. Like, well, it, you know, probably just adds aesthetic to what's going on. 
If we keep our house a mess, there's no reason to clean up. Why? Because based on the owner's intention, I know how to respond with what he's been entrusting me with. Hello? I didn't have to call her. She knew just by my character what I would want her to do. So many times we face decisions and it's like, oh my gosh, what should I do? I don't know what to do. Listen, then you don't know God's character. You don't know his heart. You don't know his plan. You don't know his intention for you because if you knew God, you would already know what to do. Know that relationship's not healthy for you. Know that that job is not going to answer the the questions you're asking. Know that pursuing that thing isn't going to bring fulfillment in your life. Why? Because that's not God's intention and his character and his plan for your life. But if you knew him, you would know that. See, as we we seek to understand how to to live lives reintegrated, we have to understand that your spirit has been made alive by God, in God, and for God. That until we understand and walk in spiritual health, all other health is only temporary. Unless I'm living spiritually healthy, it doesn't matter how physically fit I am, that's only temporary because without spiritual health, one day this body will die. And after this physical death comes another death and that is an eternal death, separation from God. So so without spiritual health, physical health is only temporary. Without, Without spiritual health, I can't take care of my emotions. I can't manage my thoughts unless I'm taking them captive. And I can't take them captive and make them obedient to Christ unless I'm in Christ and with Christ. The world today will tell you this. If you want to be spiritually healthy, you need to be emotionally healthy. You need to be physically healthy. You need to be mentally healthy. You need to be socially healthy. And if you can find health in all of these areas, then you will have this like spiritual enlightenment. And that's why we have to focus on all of these things because if we, if we focus on these things, that will lead us to this place of spiritual enlightenment and, and put you in touch with, with your spirituality. When in reality, the truth is the exact opposite. That until we understand spiritual health, there is no emotional health. Until we walk in spiritual health, there is no mental health. Until we understand spiritually what his intention and design for us is, it doesn't matter what I eat or put into my body, it's passing away anyway. Until I walk spiritually sound and reintegrated, all other stuff means nothing. And it might, it might lead you to a good place for a time being but it's not gonna be sustainable or eternal fruit. We have to understand that, that the goal is spiritual health because all other, all other health flows through spiritual health. Yeah. Last couple of weeks, Angel told us that physical health is about managing, managing our bodies, managing physically, managing what we're putting in, what we're taking, what we're doing. Soul health, managing, managing my thoughts, managing my emotions, managing this. Spiritual health is not about managing. It's not about working up. It's not about doing. It's not about having the right plan. I'm not, I'm not saying don't have a plan, but, but it's, not, it's not about managing what's going on. The only way to achieve spiritual health is through submission and surrender. See, in my body, I manage my body. My soul, I manage my, my soul. My spirit, I surrender to him and to his spirit. 
It's not about managing. It's not about trying. It's not about working harder. It's not about coming to church three times a week or three times a month, not four times a month, because I understand nobody comes to church four times a month, but three times a month is what we shoot for. And it's not about going to a small group and going to the classes and and doing all this and giving 10%. I give 11%. I give 12%. It's not about doing those things. Spiritual health is about submission to his spirit. And it's only in submission to him that my spirit is made alive. And then like Paul said, it's not me that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me and through me. See, the only way for for me to submit is to know that, that I only have one standard for my life spiritually, and that is the word of God. Physical health is subjective. Mental health is subjective. Spiritual health is 100% objective. Because physically, if I compare myself to some of you, I might appear healthy. If I, appear, if I compare myself to some of you, I would be unhealthy. Mentally, if I compared myself to some of you, I'd be unhealthy, but to some I'd be healthy. Spiritually, it's not about comparing ourselves to each other. It's about comparing ourselves to the word of God. This is the one and the only standard that has ever been given to measure your spiritual health. Not the person sitting next to you, not your small group leader. How healthy am I spiritually? I don't know. Get into God's word and compare it to his standard. What's his standard? His word. It's the same as the standard in the garden. God's standard for Adam and Eve was simply this. Don't eat that tree. Don't eat that fruit. You can have every other fruit. Don't eat that fruit. What did they do? Ate the fruit. Why? Sin Sin hadn't entered yet. Sin entered when they consumed the fruit. Obviously, the serpent had fallen, but... But there was no sin in humanity until they ate the fruit. What led them? Because we understand this tug of war between flesh and spirit. And I, I want to do the things that, 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 that the spirit wants me, but, but I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do and back and forth and all of this. There was none of that in the garden. They, they were in paradise with God, intimate with him, naked and no shame. Come on, somebody. Yes. It's the life that they were living. And yet they still consumed the fruit. Why? Because they changed their standard. The standard went from God's word, which was, if you eat that fruit, you will die, to the serpent's word, which was, you ain't going to die. God, God's trying to keep some, he's trying to suck the fun out of your lives. God knows that, that, that if you eat that, he'll, you'll become like him. You're, you're not going to die. Their standard in that moment changed from God's word to the word of the serpent. And when their standard changed, their actions changed, sin entered the world. It's the same for you and I. God's standard is still his word. What is his standard? Honor the Lord your God. Don't make any idols to yourself. Don't take his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder, don't steal, don't don't cheat, don't lie, don't covet. That's God's standard. Jesus, when asked, he, he summed it up this way. What's the most important command? He says this, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. And the second is equal to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Guess what? We can't do that. Can you do that? I can't do that. You can't do that. And here's the beautiful thing. God knew you couldn't do it. He knew you couldn't do it. He knew you couldn't fulfill the law. He he knew you you couldn't live that out. He knew you couldn't walk. So what did he do? He sent his son as the very fulfillment of the law and offered himself as a living sacrifice for each and every one of us. And said, you know what? I know you can't do it, but I can do it. So let me do it for you. Let me give up my life so you can find new life in me. 
Let me take your place. Let me take upon myself your sin and your shame. And I will, I will wear that on the tree so that you could be made righteous, not by anything that you've done, but just because of what I've done. See, that's, that's the beauty of the good news. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of this life that we are called to live where I don't have to muster it up. All I have to do is submit myself to him and allow him to live through me. Yes. Romans chapter eight says this, the mind, the soul governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What are you submitting yourself to? For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit, if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You can choose life or death. It's like Mr. Miyagi said, live or die, man, right? Like, no, no Karate Kid fans today? Like, golly. All right, oh, Johnny, okay, yes. You're right, I corrected me, Johnny said that. But we, we see that in scripture based upon what we surrender and we submit ourselves to. It's not about working it up. It's about surrender and submitting to him. Now, here's what I want you to understand because I know a lot of you today are, are here and you're watching online. You're like, I got this. Like spiritual health, spiritual maturity, like I'm totally there. What I want you to understand is that you can be spiritually intelligent while at the same time being spiritually unhealthy. Don't mistake your spiritual intelligence or your spiritual knowledge for spiritual maturity. We've done a great job in the church of making Christians, but a terrible job of making disciples. We've done a great job of educating on what God's word says, but a terrible job of requiring obedience to God's word. We've got a lot of people who know what God's word says, but don't do what God's word says. Spiritually intelligent, but spiritually unhealthy. I wanna help you. If you're here today, like, how do I know if that's me? I'm gonna give you like a Jeff Foxworthy, you know your redneck if, okay? But it's, but it's this, if you, you know you're spiritually intelligent, but not healthy if. Now here's, here's the first one. If you take pride in how much Bible you know. You might be spiritually intelligent, but spiritually unhealthy. If you take pride, now listen, understand, I'm not saying don't read the Bible. I'm not saying don't memorize it. I'm not saying don't meditate upon it. I'm not saying don't study it. But if that's like what, what you stand firm on is I know more Bible or I can quote so many verses. Listen, I don't care how much Bible you know. I care how much Bible you do. Like the person who comes is like, this is how much I know. My question, how much do you do? Because the fruit of your life is showing me something totally different. I don't care what you know up here. I care what you're living out there. And Jesus had the same conversation with the religious people of his day, the Pharisees. You know, here's what, here's what, let's put that scripture up. Here's what Jesus says to the Pharisees. He says, what sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law. This was the pastors of his day, hypocrites. He says that you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but inside filled with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Sure, you know what to say, but your lives are telling me something totally different. Do we take pride in how much we know or do we take pride in how much we do? The second way to know if you might be spiritually intelligent and not healthy, do you apply truth without grace? I apply truth without grace. Now, listen, listen, before we start like applauding and clapping because we know those people, you're next. So just hold on. All right. 
We apply, we apply truth without grace. Well, this, this just, that's the truth of God's word. I'm standing on that. Okay, but you ever know those people that are like, what do you want me to do, lie? Like they ask me a question, I'm not gonna lie. I'm just telling the truth. I just tell it how it is. I just, I just keep it real. You know those people, right? Like you might not be a person that keeps it real. You might just be a jerk. I'm just a truth person. No, you're just a jerky person. Don't be that person. You apply truth without grace. The second is the inverse of that. You apply grace without truth. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Just ask forgiveness. It's it, like, don't even worry about it. Listen, here's the thing. There is no truth without grace and there is no grace without truth. That's reality. And if you think about that long enough, you'll go down into a place where it's like, holy cow, my mind was just blown. There's no truth without grace and there's no grace without truth. But thankfully, Jesus was the very embodiment of both. Now, how, how do I want you to, to respond and to move forward? Here's what I want you to do. Before you say anything, ask yourself, am I equally motivated by truth and grace? Am I just trying to, to hammer somebody with truth? Am I just trying to make excuses for them? Am I just trying to, no, is it, am, I, am I equally motivated by grace and by truth? And if I can say there's equal motivation in my heart on both sides, then go for it. But until you can, you better shut your mouth. We've got so many people walking around like truth, truth, truth. And that creates this other culture of grace, grace, grace. And Jesus is in the middle like, hello, stupids, I'm both. You can't have one, you can't have one without the other. Here's the next one. Is there harshness in your heart towards the world while making excuses for the church? See, I think a lot of times when somebody sins in the church and rightfully so, we, we surround them, we encourage them, like it's okay, it was a, it was a misstep. It was a misstep. We, we encourage them, we restore them. And again, absolutely rightfully so. But then when the world sins, we want Sodom and Gomorrah 2.0. Come on. How many of you the last 15 months, you just prayed, Jesus, just come. Like, I'm just done. I'm done with this world and I'm done with these people and I'm just done with just the, just ugh, of it all. And so like, I know paradise is right around the corner for me. And so if you can just come like tomorrow, uh, because I have an appointment tomorrow at one. So if we can make it before that, because I really don't want to go to that. How many of you guys prayed that this year? All of us, like, get me out of here. Like, we were that Mista Mista lady from Happy Gilmer. Like, Mista, Mista, get me out of here. Like, why? Because we look at the world and it's like, the world is just so full of corruption and sin. But guess what? The last time I looked in the mirror, I was so full of corruption and sin. The last time I looked out at you guys, all I saw was corruption and sin. We're all sinners. We're just sinners saved by grace. The, the, the verse that we all love to quote, for God so loved the church. No, for God so loved the world. That same world that you are calling for the destruction of is the same world that Jesus came to give up his life for. <sighs> Last one, telling people you're mature. You know, you know who, you know who says they're so mature? Teenagers. I have, I have two of them. I have two of them. Dad, I'm so mature. 
that I'm like, that's for babies. Why would I do that? Why would I? No, I'm not going to wear that. Dad, babies wear that. I'm not 10 anymore, dad. I'm 15 and I'm going to be driving next month. So you should just go ahead and give me your truck now because I'm so mature. Like you're not ready for that, dad. I'm ready. No, you're not. Teenagers are always saying how mature they are. And, and if you don't have teenagers, just think back to when you were a teenager and how often you told your parents how mature you are. You're not mature. If you have to tell somebody you're mature, you're not. Right? Like the strongest guy at the gym doesn't have to go and be like, attention, everybody, I'm probably the strongest person here. No, what do they do? They start lifting weights and show people, I am the strongest person here. The most mature Christian in the place doesn't have to walk in and start quoting scripture and praying out loud and worshiping and doing all of these things. Like, look at how, how mature I am. They show people by the fruit in their lives. What is the fruit that you're producing? Mature Christian, who are you discipling? Starting with your children. Who have you personally led to the Lord? I'll give you the last three years. Got real quiet right there. But as disciples of Jesus, we are called to be disciples who make disciples. So in the last three years, what disciple have you made? Are you spiritually intelligent? but not spiritually healthy or as spiritually healthy as you thought maybe you were. Those are just five little, hey, put these in your pocket. Compare yourself against these a little bit. Now I want to encourage you because I know what you're thinking. Like Pastor John, you haven't been here for three weeks and like this is how you come back and say hi to us. Like can Pastor Angel preach again next Sunday, please? But I want to encourage you today, okay? So here's the last thing. If you're taking notes, here's what I want you to, to write down. This is the last thing for the day. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. And I understand that it's, it's easy to, especially when it comes to spiritual growth and spiritual health and spiritual maturity. I understand that it's the most important, but oftentimes it's the most difficult. Simply because when we don't see the results we want to quit, right? Like if you go to the gym for like two weeks and you don't see any change, what do you, what do you do? I'm done. This is stupid. You start a diet and you don't lose 10 pounds in two weeks. You're like, this is dumb. I'm starving myself and there's not even any changes in my like. No, I'm going to go back to eating pizza and bread at every meal. And when we don't, when we don't see the results physically, when we can't see it, it's hard for us to continue in it. It's hard for us to continue doing it and continue putting in the work. But listen, what's happening is right below the surface. And even though you might not see it yet, doesn't mean that you're not one step away from producing the fruit you've been waiting for. Doesn't mean that you're not one step away from having the fruitful marriage that you've been longing for. Doesn't mean that, that, that you're not one step away from being right where God has called you and created you to be. In Galatians chapter six, Paul writes to the believers and he says this, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that nature. But those who live to please the spirit, again, how do I do that? By submitting myself to him and allowing his spirit to live in and through me. If I submit myself to the spirit, I'll harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Another translation says, don't, get, don't grow weary in well-doing because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we just don't give up. 
Just don't quit. Just don't stop. Just keep going. Keep going. Well, I've been coming to church and I've been praying for my husband, but, but he hasn't. Just don't stop. Don't quit. I've been, I've been giving and my, my finances are still in my, just don't stop. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop praying for your kids. Don't stop praying for your marriage. Don't stop praying for your family. Don't stop trusting in God. Don't stop getting on your knees. Don't, don't stop spending time in his word because if you don't give up at just the right time, you'll reap a harvest. I read this scripture and I'm reminded, reminded of a bamboo tree. Bamboo trees are unique because they will, they will plant the seed and for the next five years, they will walk outside and they will water that seed. They will fertilize the soil, come out and water the seed, fertilize. Week two, water the seed. Year two, water the seed. Year three, water the seed. Year four, water the seed. Year five, water the seed. They'll, they'll go outside. They have to water the seed five years. They've planted this seed in the ground for five years. They've gone and they've watered and they've cared and they've nurtured and they've invested and nothing has come through the surface. Most of us by that point would have given up. Been watering this stupid ground and nothing's happening. Been, been putting this fertilizer out and there's, there's no growth. Nothing's happening, but you don't see what's happening below the surface. Because after five years of watering this bamboo seed, within five weeks, that thing will grow 90 feet. Bamboo tree, once it breaks the surface, within five weeks will grow 90 feet tall, but it takes five years to even break through the surface how it is spiritually. If you, if you don't get tired of investing, if you don't get tired of, of putting in the work and putting in the time and spending time with God, you might not see it right away, but give it some time because God's doing something. Give it some time because your breakthrough is coming. How do I, how do, I do that, Pastor John? Maybe you're here today and you're like, I have no relationship. I, I have no spiritual health. I don't even know where to begin. I'm going to help you. Even if you're here and you've been in church for a while and you're not in your word and you don't even know where to begin, I'm gonna help you too. If you can remember five, four, three, two, one, you can remember this. I'm gonna give you something super simple every day. I want you to do this, okay? Five, four, three, two, one. Are you ready? Here it is. Five, I want you to pray for five minutes. Actually, it's 10 minutes, but it's five minutes to God. But then five minutes where you just shut up and you allow God to speak to you. Say, well, Pastor John, I pray 20 minutes. Listen, don't be spiritually intelligent. But if that's you, awesome. Then maybe yours isn't a five, maybe yours is 20. Maybe it's 15, I don't know, but start here. I know that most of us aren't even doing this. So let's just start here. Five minutes of communication to God and then five minutes of God communicating to you. Four, I want you to read four chapters of the Bible every day. You know how long that's gonna take you? Five minutes unless you get into Psalms and then it might take you a little bit longer. But I want you to read four chapters a day. Some of us haven't, haven't read through the Bible and that's fine. But listen, what's interesting is that if we would read four chapters a day, where do I start? Start in the New Testament. Because if you start in the Old Testament, you're gonna quit. Start in the New Testament, start in Matthew, read the New Testament once, and then go back to the New Testament and read the New Testament again, and then go back to the Old Testament and read the Old Testament, okay? So New Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, four chapters a day. What's interesting is if we read four chapters a day, we can read through the New Testament twice and the Old Testament once in a year. I, I, I did the math. 
chapters of the Bible divided by 365, you're good. Four chapters a day. Three, worship. And I know what you're thinking. Find a three-minute song in worship. No. It's not what I'm, it's not what I'm saying. I want you to find, what, what is worship? Worship is simply assigning value and worth to something. It's honoring something. So what I want you to do is I want you to find three things in your daily life that you can acknowledge God in, thank him for, and honor him in. God, thank you for this. I know that without this, without you, this wouldn't even be. And so maybe it's, maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's, maybe it's something simple. Maybe you're going for a walk and you're just admiring nature around you. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's your job when you get there and you clock in and rather than, dang it, I'm here again, you get to say, God, thank you that I even have the ability to work. Find three things every day, different things every day, okay? Not the same things over and over. Find three things that you can worship him for. Two, fellowship. I want you to find two people that you can be intentionally encouraging to every day. Give a phone call, a text message. I don't care what it is. Maybe it's a coworker at work face-to-face, just like, hey, I just want to encourage you. I noticed this or I saw this. Whatever the case may be, find those two people. And then one, testify. Find one person every day to tell Jesus about to talk to them about the goodness of God in your life. Hey, hey, do you know Jesus? Let me just, here's what he's done for me. Like, I, I know it's crazy, but like, but like, this is what he's done in my life. Just tell them about the hope that you found. Tell them about the joy that you found. And if we can do this, five, four, three, two, one. Very simple, very easy, but I promise you, you start doing this and those things below the surface will start to come out and people will start to notice the love and the joy and the peace and the fruit that the spirit is producing in you. Why? Because I'm not living for myself now, but I'm surrendering myself and submitting myself to him. And as I submit to him, his spirit lives in me and through me. And then it's not about what I do, but it's about what he does in me. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. But before we do, when you came in, you should have received some communion elements. And I can't think of of a better time to to take communion than this because we've, we've just wrapped up this series on being reintegrated and being made whole. If you need communion, our ushers are in the back. If you need one, just raise your hand. They'll be happy to serve you. We finished this series on reintegration, on being made whole. And the truth of it is, without the price that he paid, there would be no hope for us. There would be no, there would be no reintegration without the cross, without his body and without his blood. So today, as you take those elements and you peel back that first layer and you get the cracker out and then you open up your juice. We pause and we reflect and we look back and we thank Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the price that was paid. But we also look forward to your return. We thank you for the hope that we have in you, the hope of eternal life. You are our living hope, even as we sang about this morning. God, as we, as we seek to, to understand your design and your intent so that we can be good stewards with what you've entrusted to us, I thank you that you came so that we could be made physically whole and we could be made mentally and emotionally whole, but most importantly, that we can be made spiritually whole. And it's not through anything that we could do or have done, but Jesus, it's through what you have already done in Holy Spirit through your work in us each and every day. So we thank you for that. 
We thank you for the body which was broken for us. We thank you for your blood which was shed for us. We remember that. Let us partake this morning of the bread. only happens with you at the center of it. So God, we put you at the center of all things today. We love you. We thank you. Go with us this week. Help us to do the 54321. Help us to submit to you in all things. And as we do, may we walk in the fullness of your design and intent for our lives. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, listen, next week we're starting a new series on Samson. It's going to be great. Invite a friend, invite some family. Uh, if you're watching online, come join us. It'll be, it'll be a good time. Love you guys. Have a good week. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.